Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Today on The Less Stress Life, we have Kathy Biasse. She is a breast cancer survivor. She specializes in the functional application of nutrition for root cause health improvement in the area of chronic disease with a focus on cancer care. Kathy has a degree in psychology and is a graduate of the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition and is a certified professional cancer coach. She has appeared on television and at speaking engagements, educating people on topics like nutritional support for cancer patients, managing side effects of allopathic cancer care. That'll be a fun one to chat about the microbiome and its link to health, immune support, improving gut health, and cancer coaching. She's also the host of The Health Hub, a radio talk show and podcast covering various aspects of integrative health. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you very much for having me, Krista. Yeah. So first, let's hear your story because um, you're a breast cancer survivor. So um, that's that's something to be very, you know, lots of applause for. But it looks like it turned your life around and it changed your trajectory. So tell us about that, how that happened. It did. Um, I initially, uh, my career path, I, I worked on Bay Street in Toronto. So that's our financial district and uh, and then moved into working with my father, who was also um, a big player uh, in Bay, on Bay Street. So I did that. And as my father's health declined, we closed down the business. And within a few months after that, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So um, timing wise, you know, it's never a great, a great time. But timing wise, it was in a period of my life where it was almost transitional. I have four kids in my family and my husband and they were getting to that stage in life where they didn't need me as much so um after i went through my treatment it took me a year i was diagnosed with uh, erpr breast cancer erpr positive breast cancer i went through allopathic as well as integrative care and i think where i really got my footing in this industry that i am in now was seeing how I did integrating nutrition, certain lifestyle aspects, exercise, 
along with my allopathic care and seeing how other people who really didn't um, consider integrative health, it was quite a dichotomy I found. And I just felt, I think when you go through cancer, a lot of us who have survived cancer uh, are grateful and want to try and do something. There's a group of us who want to, to sort of give back. And my way was trying to m make the, the movement towards integrative cancer care. So uh, I went to school. I got a real footing in nutrition and nutrition oncology. I became a professional cancer coach, the National Association of Profes Professional Cancer Coaches, and um, started working with um, an integrative naturopathic doctor whose specialty is in the oncology side. And then from there, I just started I'm always a student. I continue to learn. I continue to read. Uh, I leave my mind open to different things. I try and base everything I do on scientific research. Um, and and that's, that's how, that's a, in, a, in a nutshell, that's my story. So right now, clinically, I'm working in um, a naturopathic oncology setting, working with uh, active cancer patients for the most part on uh, nutrition and lifestyle coordination with their medical care. I have a couple of questions for you that came up during that story. Do you think that the possible high stress stakes of, I think you said you were in business with maybe your family or something, and then you had stopped that business and right after you got cancer. Do you think that the stress of that had an influence in the diagnosis or, or whatnot? Um, I'm also curious to know what were the symptoms that you were experiencing, if any, prior to your diagnosis? And then I want to talk about that dichotomy of integrative versus just straight allopathic care. But I'll start with the stress and, um, and the other question first. Absolutely. Um, the doctors generally say, look, it takes about eight years before you can actually uh, feel a lump. And if I look back over eight years, I didn't have traumatic stress. I had the stress of a mother of four who was wanting to make sure that everything was perfect. My kids were very active and definitely being in the financial industry was tough. I think watching my father's health decline was also very difficult. Um, but I think that stress in all of its forms has implication in not just cancer, but in all disease. I definitely feel looking back um, after I had my daughter, I gained more weight. I was always quite slim and I gained probably 15 pounds. I was at the heaviest that I, I ever was. So I think hormones obviously played an issue. Mine was a hormone positive cancer, but stress always. And I think when we're looking at disease and we're looking at nutrition and we're looking at lifestyle, I always go to stress in the arena that no matter how clean our diet is, no matter what I can recommend to you lifestyle-wise, if you can't alleviate some of your stress, deal with your stress, things just won't march along as smoothly. Now, within the cancer sphere, there's just no way that you cannot have stress. So dealing with stress, strategies that can help you deal with stress are a huge piece of what I do. I was talking to a nurse manager earlier today who was a client and um, 
I mentioned something about about stress mechanisms and she said, well, that's not going away. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't go away. You're right. You always will have stress, but it's how you manage it that makes a big difference. And I don't know if you were going to get into this, but I wanted to mention, I mean, I I could get personal and ask you what your period was like before the breast cancer diagnosis, but I just wanted to throw in um, something that happens with in, if you have hormonal breast cancer, at least in some of the hormone testing, kind of some functional hormone testing, you can look and see where estrogen excess, what pathways it goes down. And there's actually a cancerous pathway, Uh 4-OH. And so one of the things that makes a big difference there is, well, I mean, you can get it to go down a proper pathway. And one of the things that blocks it from that proper pathway is actually stress and caffeine. So it's always our favorite. Part of the reason I do the test is just to, you know, demonstrate what's going Uh on, right? Because you don't know that that's the problem necessarily, but it's kind of like a slap in the face sometimes that is like, we always want to believe that we're impermeable (laughs) to stress. I think we're like, well, that stress reduction stuff is for someone else, but really it makes a huge difference for all of us. Well, stress, I don't, I don't think people quite grasp. Now the, the, the physiology of stress is, is may not go away. Definitely management will help it, but stress comes in all sorts of forms Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily a life trauma event. So, you know, little stressors that are not dealt with um, add up as well. And as with regards to the testing, I agree 100%. And my daughters will, I, I like a functional genomics testing. Um, and my daughters will be getting that there. I have one that's 27 and one that's 20. And definitely because of my history, I will be testing them. I have, um, I didn't have excess estrogen. I had the the pathway that went down was not um, the the proper one. So there are nutrients that, you know, if you know this ahead of time, if this is your makeup, that you can work with what your body is doing and help to improve on areas that are perhaps a weakness for you. I think we all have weaknesses uh, and mine manifested in cancer. So um, 100%, I agree. And stress... You know, science has even demonstrated that that period of time between a diagnosis and and sort of wrapping your head around things, that's a that's a very important time because when you're stressed, uh, your immune system is taxed. So all of these things play into, you know, a lot of people, I always like to to make a, a little mention of the fact that I like the term integrative health. Because I think that the, the marriage between things that we can do within our lives coupled with the medical system uh, is a brilliant combination. Mm-hmm. And the, the integrative approach can really help with all of what you're trying to do medically. Um, and this is, this is key for me. And stress, you know, we can also test uh, through functional genomics. We can test certain things like dopamine clearing, dopamine receptors. So if we know ahead of time that someone may have a a proclivity to not handling stress well, well then we can also, we're also attuned to that. So yeah, stress is a huge, huge piece. Uh, There are many pieces in a cancer diagnosis. Right. I love how you mentioned that about integrative because I kind of had that same conversation with someone yesterday. And I think another definition of integrative could be plays well with medicine or augments medicine very well. Um, It improves it. And actually, that is that links into the other question I had from your story, which was you said those that were embracing integrative care, you know, they were at a... a, um, 
a, a large difference or a dichotomy from those that were not um, complementing their care with with extra pieces. Um, are you saying that those that did not work on stress management and nutrition as part of their care did not seem to do as well as those who did? Or would you like to explain that more? Um, I talked to a few people, you know, when you're sitting around waiting for chemotherapy and you're waiting for uh, radiation, you have a chance to talk to a lot of people that are going through the same thing. And, uh, m- you know, many people can't get through treatments. Chemotherapy comes in many shapes and sizes, uh, many different types of medications. So, I mean, I can't equate uh, 100% what I did versus what they didn't do. And I didn't get on a personal level with all of them. I just know that what I did, my blood work, like physiological things, um, testing that came, everything tested well for me. I believe that it put me in a place to get through my treatments and to recover from them. Um, Clinically, when I see people that have come into the clinic that have gone through chemotherapy and it's not gone well, um, they haven't nutrition, lifestyle, things like sleeping, exercise, stress management has not been a piece of the puzzle. There's no direct link. I cannot definitely say to you that people that don't have integrative care don't do as well. The chances, you're improving your chances, I believe, if you do have integrative care. Okay, so let's talk about one of your big topics is really, you know, um, creating nutrition therapies, not creating, but really helping people with nutrition therapies and lifestyle practices relevant for cancer care. So walk us through some of those tools and tips to help someone going through cancer care. You're already you already have the diagnosis. You know, what are some things you can do to augment the process or improve it? Okay, so we started, we'll we'll tick off stress as something that we've dealt with. Um, And along with that is when I sit down with somebody, the very first thing I say is, uh, let's go through your protocol medically. And then we we put together what I want to do. And then I say to them, you now you have to believe in what you're doing. Okay, so that that's, that's the next step. So part of the stress management is, you know, buy into this. This is your path. This is what you've chosen to do. You've done the work. Now believe this is going to work. So from there, we go to things like sleep. So a big thing for me is, uh, I think you read it in the the, um, bio, uh, the microbiome, having that in place. But above that, to me, are things like sleep and managing the circadian rhythm. So we need the science of sleep is becoming more ingrained now. People are talking about it more. The understanding of, of proper sleep for health is important. The understanding of sleep for managing their circadian rhythm is key. And when we sleep well and our circadian rhythms are on point, our microbiome works well, our detoxification systems work well. And when that happens and our microbiome is strengthened through this, then the nutrition can work well. What we eat needs to be absorbed. And that has many, many different aspects. But for me, working on sleep, working on exercise for balancing blood sugar, and getting a good night's sleep. These are all important pieces. So when people sit down in front of me, a lot of them expect me to be giving them macronutrient breakdown and how how much and what they're eating. But I, nutrition-wise, present them with many options. Underlying that is the fact that you have to be grounded in good quality sleep. You need to move your body. You need to be taking care of the microbiome. So those are pieces that people... 
I feel are key for people to understand when you're going through chemotherapy, you need to be able to get through treatment. And so we talk about how we can handle the microbiome. It's going to be impacted by chemotherapy. What can we do to mitigate some of the side effects of chemotherapy? We talk about when to eat, time eating, if we want to decrease calories before going into chemotherapy, things like that are all very individualized because I have to know the person sitting in front of me, where they've come from and what they can handle. Um, and then looking at somebody, seeing their vitality is very key to all of these things. But these are all important pieces of what I'm labeled as, as a nutritionist and as a nutrition protocol that I give to people. So it's far beyond, as I say, what's on the end of your fork. And that's how I'm approaching um, when I'm working with cancer patients. Let's dig into a couple of these a little bit deeper because someone asked me, sent me a message this morning. Hey, I think this is off because I think stress is increased. What are some of your favorite exercises besides this particular breathing exercise? So what do you think? Because what are your favorite stress management tools? Because sometimes when we say to people, we need to decrease stress, we need something more tangible for people because they don't, I mean, it, it, it seems hard. It is hard. It is hard to figure out how to decrease stress when it's all you know, and when you don't even realize how stressed you are. So, so what, what are some tools you like to give people for stress reduction? Um, I, as mentioned, making sure that people are educated within their pro their protocol, so that that within the cancer sphere, we're talking, they need their stress will be relieved when they're buying into what they're doing, when they're confident that their chemotherapy will work, that everything we're doing will work, will move them in the right direction. That's a big stress relief to them. Understanding that exercise is important. I ask them first, what do they do on a normal day? You know, before you had your diagnosis, what did you do for enjoyment? And that varies with everybody. Some people walk, some people meditate, some people like to go to movies, music is helpful. Um, exercise is always key. And again, back to sleep again, those are all two big pieces of reducing your stress on your body, your physiological stress. Um, exercise, I always like to, to recommend to people and it, that will vary depending on their vitality. Some people are still able to continue with a, a proper, uh, or not a proper, but their regular exercise routine. We will talk about stress on the body, about not overdoing things. Uh, exercising, even if someone is, is bound to a seated position, we'll talk about stretching, we'll talk about uh, you know blood viscosity, getting things moving. So that all helps physiologically to reduce stress. I think breathing techniques are number one. If I was going to say to somebody this, when you're, you're on the phone or you're talking to your doctor and you feel yourself winding up to me, breathing is a key piece. It physiologically will slow down your heart rate. It will cause you to come more into yourself. So depending on, on the situation who I'm talking to stress relief has many, many different uh, faces. I agree that breathing is really big. And since it's free, <laughs> we really discount it <laughs> sometimes as not being as important. But it's not something you learn once. And it's like, okay, well, I tried that. Like, no, you can actually dig in. This is why yogis, uh, they kind of have it figured out because there's so many versions. And there's like, techniques and and but it can be very very simple too like so at the beginning it's simple but you can you can dive into that deeply um for me figuring out stress yeah, relief yeah. was was um 
was doing like being fooled into breathing every day by yoga <laughs> um, and realizing yeah. after the fact, like, oh, that was really beneficial. Like, I cannot believe how much more zen I am. Right. Well, 100 percent. And it's, you know, it's getting people to try things. Not everybody can meditate. I mean, it's just that's just the way it is. We can't all meditate. Some people don't like to do it. So just just try and breathe. And I think that is, you know, I, I can't get into the supplement area within cancer care because uh, especially when I'm talking on general terms, there, there, there's no supplement that I would recommend going through chemotherapy. I mean, that I can recommend on a mass basis. Again, this is an individual thing. But generally speaking, I try and stay away from things like that because uh, you need to be able to manage your stress somehow. We don't want to mask it. You know, we want you to face it and we want you to deal with it. If you have a cancer diagnosis, you can't run away from it. You know, you need to face it straight on. You don't have to, you know, run headlong into it. You can, you can, you know, I, I actually just posted something. Sometimes in life, uh, the gentleness is what will help us relieve some of the difficulties. So it really is so dependent on who's sitting in front of me. But if I had to give you a number one answer, I would say to, in the spur of the moment, breathing techniques are key. Talk to me about what happens when people don't sleep in cancer. What physiologically unravels? Well, physiologically, I mean, sleep time is the most important period of time for us to repair and detoxify. So if someone is going through uh, cancer, uh, cancer treatments, chemotherapy, radiation, this is the period of time that your body will use to um, repair and detoxify anything that has been taken into your system. We want the chemotherapy to come in, do its job, and then we want it to be detoxified out. When you're not sleeping properly, when you're, you're, you're ignoring the cues for light and dark exercise, timing of eating, as I mentioned earlier, your circadian rhythms get bunged up. Our cells have circadian rhythms, our organs have circadian rhythms. Uh, liver, I, I use liver often as an example. During the day, we want the liver to be on point to be a, a digestive mechanism. At nighttime, we want this liver to be involved in detoxification. So attending to proper sleep, making sure you're in a dark room, making sure you're in a cool room, getting yourself into routine. Your body will read cues. Um, and that's one of the first things that I will tell somebody to do. I'm not sleeping. I go to bed at the same time. I just can't sleep. Change up those cues. So if someone was brushing their teeth, reading, saying their prayers, going to bed, change that up a bit. You know, change up the order. Do something different. Tell your body to, to adapt. Um, sleeping in a quiet room is important. I, if you can't sleep in a dark room, I recommend the eye mask for people. Not eating three hours before you go to bed. All of these things are important to make yourself sleep well. Okay, um, I always tell people to turn off their uh, electronics, keep their phone away from their bed. This really messes up um, our systems. Circadian rhythm is becoming a, a chronobiology largely. So chronobiology is, is rhythm. Circadian rhythm is your 24-hour awake sleep cycle. The research is, is, um, is there about how important this is for our overall health and and people who don't get enough sleep who don't sleep um, according to the light and dark cycles there have been research on shift workers and how this can impact hormones 
again, hormones are bringing that up. They're all greatly impacted if you're not sleeping properly. Everything just is not functioning well if you're not sleeping. It's not just a matter of fatigue. There are huge physiological encumbrances that we put upon ourselves if we're not getting proper sleep. I agree. How about, um, you talked about detoxification and how sleep is an important piece of detoxification. Let's talk about general detoxification and cancer care. How do you support, how do you encourage people to support that generally? Um, Because that's a physiologic system that some people poo-poo, but no, it's really awesome. Your body is just always working to do things um, and detoxification is a huge piece of it. So what does that look like sometimes on people? um, If you can speak to that um, and, and how do you help support it? Okay, so um, I'm sure you know all the detoxification systems in our body. Um, when I'm speaking to someone, again, I I have to monitor how much information I'm actually giving them versus what I'm wanting to see go on. Um, skin care is big. So uh, brushing your skin. Uh, the skin is, our, is a huge detoxification agent for us. Um, so I always encourage people with proper body products, not you putting chemicals on your body. Uh, dry brushing is a big one. It gets the lymphatic system moving. The liver, we, we already talked about. Kidneys for detoxification. Making sure you're well hydrated is a big piece of the puzzle. Um, breathing is very good for your lungs. So back to that breathing technique. You know, if we um, can do some breathing where we're um, breathing out heavily, like short bursts of breath. That helps for detoxification. Uh, baths, warm baths are good. We have to stay away from um, when you're going through chemotherapy, when you're going through radiation. We want the body to be detoxifying naturally. We're not trying to impose detoxification on the body through things like saunas. Saunas are amazing. Um, and I, I fully uh, back the research behind it, but saunas have a place when we're going into the prevention care after treatments. We want to support the natural body's tendencies to detoxify. So again, we're supporting the microbiome. That's a big piece of detoxification. And we're doing this with sleep and food. A lot of oncologists don't want um, any type of supplementation. Mm-hmm. Anything that um, I suggest, I always have the science behind it. And I say to every client I have, go to the pharmacist. This is what I'm suggesting. Some are changing. Some of the things, even as simple as a multivitamin, uh, probiotics. I'm a big fan of butyrate, which um, some of the doctors will will jump on board with. But... Um, If not, that's fine. We do it all with food, with being outside, taking deep breaths, detoxifying the home, Um, not using plastics, not using saran wrap, even things like shower curtains. If you can take a plastic one down and replace it with a hemp one. All of these things are helping detoxification. They're also helping to reduce inflammation. And although you may not see uh, right away, the the benefits of doing these things over time, it works and it's helpful and it helps to reduce that inflammation. When we have our inflammation reduced, our immune system more on point to helping to fight 
the disease that I wanted to fight. Mm-hmm. I like I like the things that you mentioned there. It was really bring less crap in and you have less crap to take out. You know, that's really, I don't mm-hmm. think we always think about that all the time. And I want to put a finger on one thing. You were talking about breath there. Just think about this. Air is the thing that you consume the most of. So when we think about what we consume the most of, it's really air. And so keeping that, like being conscious of that and being aware of that mm-hmm. is a good point. So I like that. That's good. You know, I'll, I'll encourage plants, different plants that people can have in the house to help detoxify the air, salt lamps. These things aren't voodoo. These things have been shown to work. I mean, nothing is going to, it's just like there's not one food that will tip you over the edge in cancer care, and there's not going to be one food that's going to cure you in cancer. Right. It's accumulation of all of these things that are going to put you in your best position to fight a cancer diagnosis. Yeah, I like it. Let's talk about food because this is all fine and dandy if someone can eat. But we know, and I, I mean, you're in, you're in cancer care in general. So there's many types of cancer. And anyone going through chemotherapy can end up with ulcers in the mouth, um, or nausea or etc. Right. And I heard you say, and this really depends on where someone is, but we know that certain types of eating patterns before cancer or chemotherapy may reduce the nausea, etc. What do you I mean, what are your tips for people? What if you can't eat very well, right? Or what how do you how do you help people get in what they need in? What are your thoughts around this? Um, are you speaking of like somebody's going through chemotherapy and does not feel well? Not sure. that instance? Yeah, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so bone broth is a big one. Um, before, okay, we'll talk about what I encourage people to have um, before what I encourage them not to have or do. So if you're not feeling well, um, I need you to pay attention to what you can eat. I can't tell you what will be accepted by your body. I can give you suggestions. Bone broth is key. I always tell people to take bone broth with them when they're going to chemotherapy to sip on it. It's wonderful. Juices, I think, are very important. Um, and these are these are vegetable-based juices. Uh, we want to stay away from juicing a lot of fruit because that will spike blood sugar. We don't want to do that. Um, but going going down the path with them. And, and it's it's a very back and forth thing of what they feel they can eat. You know, some people feel that they want meat for whatever reason when, when they're going through chemotherapy. To me, that's your body calling out. Maybe your body needs a little bit more protein that you're taking in. So if that is something, I, you know, I'm not, um, I don't, I'm not a professor of vegetarianism as, as key. I believe in a whole foods plant-based diet. But I have seen that some people do need to have at some periods of time meat in their diet. And if that's what they need, then you know what? When you're going through this, food, and stepping back a little bit, food is, yes, a piece of your cancer protocol, but it is also something that we want to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can get caught up in, you not, you must eat this, you must have that, aloe vera is good for your gut. And then it becomes just another piece of a protocol. But And stress. I have seen, yes, I have seen so many times people say, I don't want to eat that. I'm not eating. I had, um, I had a man come in and say, I'm not eating anything green anymore. I'm <sighs> done with it. Well, you know, then you're adding a whole different stress onto this person, right? So I'll encourage, as I said, I'll encourage people to eat foods, whey protein powder I love. 
um, going into chemotherapy. But they have to tell me what they feel like. Now, and we're talking within a whole foods diet here. If someone says to me, I'm dying for this Kit Kat, well, you know, I'm not going to be as generous with that. You know, if you're dying for Kit Kat, let's find out why. Let's figure out and let's plump your diet up a bit more. Um, dispelling myths, I think, is huge. Um, what I feel are myths. Some people have told me that they're not eating any fruit because of sugar, and I think that is a huge mistake. Um, I think that all whole foods are a part of a, a diet. Rotating foods is important. But if someone is, is going through chemotherapy and they're having a metallic taste or they're, having, um, uh, they're not tasting at all, then my thoughts behind that is, well, if you're not tasting your food or you're not tasting it the same as you normally do, don't eat anything that you love because you'll just be disappointed. But if you can eat a whole foods diet while you're going through um, – 8, 10, 12, 16 weeks of chemotherapy, then you continue as is. Now, I do, uh, for people, again, are um, healthy cancer patients, uh, I do recommend before chemotherapy, we talk about reducing calories um, going in, you know, a day to two days before going into chemotherapy. There is research, solid research there saying that that can help manage side effects. Um I have to see who the person is sitting in front of me. That's not applicable to everybody. So these are strategies I use going through um, through chemotherapy. But uh, as I touched on before, the overall picture that I want to give everybody that I'm speaking with is that when you're sitting around a table and you have good food around you, don't be thinking that this is part of your protocol. Food is to be enjoyed. It's our tradition. It's a part of our life. And this is, should be a time where you're sitting with your family and not thinking of your diagnosis. And I hugely encourage that with everybody. Yeah, I love that. And honestly, that would be a great ending point. But I want to talk about the microbiome in cancer <laughs> just for a second. So so I um, I was telling you off air that I got to hear an oncologist who um, has been involved in about 200 publications. And he's really into microbiome and immunotherapy or can he's an oncologist. So cancer therapy, right? Cancer immunotherapy. I'm actually looking at some of his slides right now. And a couple, um, couple um, papers from 2018, one from AMED and one from because I wanted to make sure I was getting this pretty correct. Um, and we'll have him come on and talk about it a little bit more because I think this is kind of cool. He just said he really begs people and he begs providers not to prescribe antibiotics right before immunotherapy if it can be avoided because it reduces the efficacy or the success rates um, by half is what he said. So that's a big statement. I, I don't have to back it. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the studies and trying to read the charts properly, but that was very, I mean, when you say a statement like that, it just kind of burns into your brain a little bit. What do you, what do you see uh -huh. with the microbiome and cancer therapy? Um, how do you see it play into things? And um, what do you want to say about that? Uh, there have been studies within uh, melanoma cancer care, um, and with immunotherapies that have come out showing that the makeup of your microbiome can greatly impact the efficacy of the medication being given and the therapy given. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. Now, when we're talking about the microbiome, you know, we're talking about strains and we're talking about uh, this is what they're doing in their research. They're pulling out strains and they're showing how certain strains seem to be 
um, supportive within this this particular melanoma um, arena we're talking about seem to be, you know, the, the makeup of the microbiome of patient A seemed to greatly affect the efficacy of the immunotherapy versus the makeup of the microbiome of, of patient B whose microbiome was not as, um, we'll call it positive for this um the um, the immune therapy and it and therefore didn't work as well. So this is the way things are going. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of studies are being done now, and they're pulling apart strains and they're trying to see which strains seem to do to do well within cancer care. Which you know, in a breast cancer patient, um, a particular chemotherapy is it working well because their microbiome consists of X, Y, and Z, and is it not working well because you know this patient's micro- microbiome is is A, B, C? So this is where sort of the research is going. But um, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist. I read the research and then I'm sitting in front of somebody who is really not caring too much about what right. this study showed, except the fact that I'll say to them what the overall microbiome does for health. And we need to support the microbiome. And with that, we're talking again, exercise, sleep, but there are certain foods like fermented foods that will really support the microbiome. Um, The microbiome is going to be hit and hit hard when you're going through chemotherapy. So we're working on trying to, I mean, it's going to be impacted. We're trying to reduce that, that impact. So again, the type of fiber is key um, going through to, um, you know, going down to the colon, feeding and nourishing the microbiome. And, you know, there are studies of particular foods that will work with, uh, you know, the, the inulin and FOS and GOS that are particularly helpful for the microbiome. But when I'm sitting in front of a cancer patient, I say eat fiber. Okay, so Mm -hmm. these things are all fiber, eat fiber, get your fiber intake up to 30 to 40 grams if you can, and that will feed and nourish your microbiome. Um, As I mentioned before, uh, butyrate is is a huge, butyrate is um, a short chain fatty acid that is a byproduct of uh, what the microbiome will, uh, it's a metabolite basically, and that nourishes the the mucosal lining of uh, of the colon. And I like butyrate because it, I like to supplement butyrate because it is the end product and we're not requesting the microbiome to do that for us. Mm-hmm. So because the, the impact of, of cancer care can impact what the microbiome can produce, I like that. Um, I like that particular supplement, but some doctors don't want any supplementation. Probiotics, um, a lot of doctors are afraid of because we're introducing, a, a, you know, live cultures into a system that may be immunosuppressed. But again, supporting with fruits and vegetables, phytonutrients that the uh, microbiome will transform into very bioactive nutrients for our system. This is how I'm talking to people about the microbiome. They don't particularly want to know which strain it's not really within their wheelhouse. And I can't keep up with it myself. Let me know. Call a spade a spade. I can't keep up with all the research. I know what the impact of the microbiome is. I know its importance for the body, and I know how important it is for us to support that so that we can get our inflammation down, keep our immune system on track, and get important nutrients um, from 
a, a healthier microbiome. Yeah, I love butyrate. It's like the body's natural mechanism to heal itself sometimes when mm -hmm. it's able to make its own, but it does need quality fiber, good bacteria, and the fiber feed the good bacteria. So mm -hmm. thank you, Kathy. Um, where can people find you online? My website is kathybiasse.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. And yeah, all the information is right there. So, And it'll be in the show notes. Her last name is spelled B-I-A-S-E, Kathy with a C. Yes. Um, you also have yes. a free ebook, Natural Strategies for Preparing and Dealing with the Side Effects of Cancer Treatment. Sounds very useful for the right people, right? Is that on your website? It is. It is on the website. You can download it there. Um, it's a freebie and it's... It's, it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. Yeah, aren't they all? Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this labor of love, your passion with us. Um, I can only imagine that how helpful it is. And hopefully those listening will share it with someone they love. Thank you, Krista. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 